You are listening to the Catholic Thinkers Podcast, a free treasury of instruction in the Catholic intellectual tradition. If you enjoy this lecture, please visit us at catholicthinkers.org forward slash donate. This is Father James Shaw. I mentioned at the end of uh, Book 10 of the Ethics that we would have at least one consideration of Aristotle's book on the politics. Now, this is by no means complete or by no means uh, adequate. And I would suggest that if you have a copy of the book or find a copy online, you might read a chapter or two uh, from the book. In fact, you might read the whole book as far as that's concerned. I will try to do a course later on in which we deal with uh, Aristotle's politics uh, more explicitly. But here, I thought it would be useful, uh, since we are really dealing with political philosophy, uh, to talk about the politics of Aristotle. And my constant theme is to realize that the politics of Aristotle comes out of the ethics of Aristotle. And indeed, the ethics and the politics of Aristotle, in a way, are one book, uh, simply considered, uh, along with the economics in book one, of the politics, uh, considered from a, the viewpoint one of the individual, two of the family, and three of the of the rule of the polis. So the rule of ourselves, the rule of the family, and the rule of the polis is what distinguishes between the three books. And also, we might add that the book of rhetoric of Aristotle is a book which deals with the art of persuasion, which itself is something which broadens, Aristotle says it broadens to all kinds of disciplines and all kinds of things, but it's particularly important in both the family and in politics. And also there is the book he calls the Poetics, which is a book having to do with the how we make a poem, how we make a sculpture. It has to do with the uh, things that uh, can be made by human beings. Whereas the Ethics, as we said, deals with how we rule ourselves, those things in us which are given to us, by which we rule. Now, the politics of Aristotle uh, clearly and conceptually follows from the ethics. Along with the rhetoric, which is the art of persuasion, and the poetics, these are the books that are devoted to the practical sciences, as Aristotle says. That is, they deal with the question of what goes into human doing and making. It deals with things that can be otherwise because we must put them into existence this way or that way, but we do so freely. The economics or the rule of the household is the subject matter of book one of the politics, as I said. It could be considered a separate book. In all three books, the ethics, the economics, and the politics, Aristotle wants to know what rules, or better, what rules what. Generally, to rule means to put the stamp of our mind or intellect on what is ruled. So something that needs to be ordered, we put the stamp of the order on it by our understanding. That is to say, some order is put into our emotions and passions in our making, and in our household, and in our polity. 
it would not be there, that is say the order, without our input. As I mentioned when reading the ethics, note every time and in its frequency the term ethics or law or their equivalent, how many times uh, it comes up. Obviously, for Aristotle, the examination of the functioning of the individual uh, citizens, inner workings, is also pertinent to the basis of the actual operation of politics. So, the first thing we have to do is order ourselves. So, we are the beings, the ordered beings or disordered beings who participate in the follows or other organizations. This is why I keep insisting that we must notice how the ethics at the end of Book 10 actually, in its own words, goes over to the politics. Briefly, and this point will be important for understanding Augustine, Hobbes, and Simon, as we will read pretty soon, as we will consider pretty soon. There are roughly two bases for politics political institutions in Aristotle, as in most Christian literature, as we will see. The first is natural. Man is by nature a political animal. That is, in order to acquire the virtues and the activity and activate them, uh, a polis is needed to be founded. So a polis doesn't exist like trees that exist, and human beings have to put it into effect in order that they themselves might be what they ought to be. Without this political order, the, the potential of man for which the city exists cannot be activated. And secondly, also the second foundation, as we mentioned at the end of the ethics, the polis comes from crime and disorder and sin. So it is remedial, a design to restore what was broken or prevent uh, some more dire thing happening. One thing I want you to be familiar with is the discussion of regimes in Aristotle. So these discussion will appear in the various books, book four, book five, uh, book and uh, the books where he's talking about the book six talks about the best regime in book seven and then he begins to talk about leisure and these kind of things again in, in book eight uh, in book five is the famous discussion of uh, revolution which is parallel to uh, book five of the uh, ethics so that though so that ethics book five is about justice and the various kinds of justice distributive commutative justice, legal justice, and book five of the uh, politics is about uh, revolution, as I said, but what revolution is about is about changes in the comprehension of justice in various politics. So that therefore that the complete understanding of justice in one sense, you need to take into consideration also what happens to those ideas when they appear in the polis, which is what Aristotle discusses in Book 5. So therefore, Aristotle says that there are six basic kinds of regime or constitution, as it's sometimes called in translation. That is, 
ways that the government can be configured, various governments can be configured. In each case, the main question is, where is the authority located to make decisions which are binding? Binding by reason and, if necessary, by force. That is, who or what makes the decisions? Obviously, the issue is parallel to Book 3 of the Ethics in the case of the individual ruling himself. Be sure to read Chapter 9 on Aristotle in my own book, uh, At the Limits of Political Philosophy, which again is about the book of the Ethics and its unity. Just as there is deliberation, that is to say legislation and decision in the individual, so we find deliberation and decision in the polis expressed by the ruling principle. We also have an executive to carry out these decisions and a system of courts to interpret and, if necessary, have them enforced so that the legislature considers what ought to be done. It's like, it's like deliberation and decision, and it's the deliberation decision of those who are uh, uh, designated as the uh, rulers, of those whose rule uh, uh, we follow. The six simple regimes can be divided according to number of rulers who make decisions about what is the law and by purpose, that is, what is the law trying to foster. Each regime has an opposite. There are three good regimes generally called monarchy, aristocracy, and polity, and three bad regimes called tyranny, oligarchy, and democracy. The rule of one, the rule of a few, and the rule of many designate the ruling principle's uh, source. So a monarchy is the rule of one, an aristocracy is the rule of a few who are designated to make the choice, and polity is the rule of many. Uh, but remember that the difference between the good rules and the bad rules has to do with whether the ruling principle rules for the common good or for its own good, its own benefit. All good regimes are ruled for the good of the whole, that is, all other members of the uh, polity according to principles of distribu distributive and commutative justice. That again is Book 5 uh, of the Ethics and Book 5 of Politics, which is parallel to it. Aristotle says in Book 5 of the Politics that all revolution is caused by some form of injustice, either when the few do not get what they contribute or the many uh, do not receive equitably. The politics is still under the control of Book One of the Ethics, that is, happiness. The discussion and uh, the happiness discussion and what is the end of man, so that so that the politics is still in the context of human happiness. 
that's it doesn't exist to oppose human happiness and it exists to make it possible <clears throat> the four different identif identifications of happiness that is say wealth honors pleasures and contemplation if you recall from book one will make a different a difference in the end of the polity so if the citizens choose wealth as their end or or, or, or pleasure or or honors, this will make a difference as to the character of the of the polis. So, for example, that the it is said of the ancient city of Sparta uh, that it was the war city. That is to say, the city that end was was uh, victory, and that courage was its primary virtue. And so, therefore, it, all of its institutions and all of its uh, virtues were designed to foster that end. So, for example, if one chooses wealth as one's definition for happiness, and many people do that, a group of people with such uh, a view can form a polity, usually the rule of a few for the end of wealth. The presumption is that only a few will be wealthy. An aristocracy is the rule of a few virtuous for the sake of virtue and the all of the other virtues, so that it is not simply a selfish thing in that sense. Today, we tend to use the word democracy uh, as a, a synonym for the best and the only form of government. Almost every country claims uh, some sort of democratic overtones, no matter what they actually are. Aristotle teaches us look, to look not at what the Constitution says of a given country, but what the people actually do and um, uh, understand as they're in. For the Greeks, however, democracy was a bad form of rule. The rule of the many for the, uh, of the, uh, for the sake of the many, not for the sake of the common good. So it was a bad form although it was the best of the bad forms, of the three bad forms, tyranny, oligarchy, and democracy. And there is a form of rule of the many for the common good, usually called polity, but had no actual Greek word. Uh, so the, the rule of the um, many for the good of all. The intellectual end of democracy in the Greek sense listen to this because careful is important to understand, is generally called liberty or freedom. But this liberty or freedom means precisely the rule of those who have no internal principles at all of order. They can do or want to do whatever they want so that the polity is set up in order to allow them to do that and to enforce others to follow it. They go from this to that virtue or vice without hesitation. Plato will memorably discuss this type of regime in Book 8 of the, of the Republic, the democracy, the Greek understanding of a democracy. Now, we shouldn't, we shouldn't forget that the Greek understanding of democracy wants to know how, what do people actually do and not what their constitution says. Constitution may say we're a republic or we're a this or that, but the question is, what is it in fact? Might be a tyranny. Indeed, tyrannies, Aristotle says, always come out of democracy. 
For Aristotle, the best regime is a monarchy, and the worst is a tyranny. And he has a reason for this. The best of the best regimes is a monarchy, and why? And the worst of the worst regime is a tyranny, and why? The worst of the best regimes, that is, they have a good regime, is polity. And the best of the worst regimes is democracy. Again, why? <clears throat> Basically, it is a question of the certainty of authority. A monarchy is the best of the basic uh, forms, the simple forms, because of the clarity of decision. That is to say, the people know what the law says, and there's no confusion about it. So there's a... a presidential principle or a monarchical principle, that is to say that you need to be clear at, at some point about the decision. In an aristocracy, say you have 13 people, what rules is seven people, that is to say the majority of the 13, which means that six can think the policy to be a bad idea, but still they must follow it by agreement. In a polity or democracy of, say, 50,001 people, what rules is 25,001, the majority? That would mean that 25,000 think the decision is a bad idea. So that is why Aristotle thought that democracy was a weak form of rule. If the vote is 25,001 to 25,000, Obviously, the thing being chosen is not so clearly the right decision. It is simply the one they have to go with, but it, uh, there are all kinds of arguments against it. The mixed regime is one that tries to combine the virtues or mitigate the defects of the simple regimes, the six simple regimes, monarchy, aristocracy, polity, tyranny, <clears throat> oligarchy, and uh, democracy. Remember, a tyranny is the rule of the worst man for his own good, not for the common good. The United States is a mixed regime. That is, it combines the strengths of the simple regimes or attempts to do so. Aristotle thought that the most regimes, the most regimes were combinations of oligarchies and democracy because that is the way most people were in their virtues, that is, undisciplined in their moral lives, or greedy for money. Aristotle is simply trying to make clear the principle of rule, that is, of making a prudential decision in particular circumstances. Now, Aristotle is going to say that it may be a dangerous thing to try and change a regime because you may always make it worse. And in making it worse, which is very often the case, then it's not necessarily an improvement. So one has to be very judicious about how one deals with whether you can go from the best to the worst or worst to the best in one step, Aristotle would doubt. The politics, the book of the politics, does not seem to be a complete book. Probably we do not have the whole of the original text, but we have a good part of it. 
So what we do have is terrific. Basically, the phallus exists in order that the leisured or contemplative life may come about. That's its ultimate indirect end. Its base first end is the common good. If man is not the only being in the universe, if he is not the highest being, then, in Aristotle's view, he must look to what is the highest. Politics is the highest of the human sciences, but not the, uh, the highest of the divine or theoretical sciences. This means that politics is a good thing, but not the highest thing. But it makes it possible for the highest thing to take place, and it also, if it chooses, uh, refuses to have anything but itself. So in that sense, it becomes itself a claim to be the highest thing. Aristotle distinguishes between leisure, recreation, play, and work. We work in order to, in order that we might have leisure, not the other way around. Leisure does not mean loafing. It means doing things for which we exist, which are beyond both work and politics. Work means making, putting things uh, into existence through craft and, and mind. Leisure means thinking and making things beautiful. Recall what is said of wealth in Book 4 of the Ethics. In Book 4 of the Ethics, as you recall, that Aristotle says that if you have much wealth, you can use the wealth to, to uh, improve uh, truth or to improve beauty or to improve goodness. Basically, what Aristotle does in the politics is to describe the kinds of regimes, the order of polity, that follow from the kinds of lives we, the citizens, uh, choose to put in our own souls. If we have no orderly soul, we choose democracy. If we are rich, and that is our end, we choose oligarchy. We choose ourselves, we choose tyranny. Aristotle is amazing in this. Remember the famous remark of C.S. Lewis, if you have only read a great book once, you have not read it at all. So I repeat that with regard to both the ethics and the politics and indeed all of Aristotle and other books that we will read. This principle applies to both the ethics and politics, the reading of them again. The last section of Book 10 of the Ethics, to repeat, is the transition from the ethics to the politics. And this section deserves some uh, attention, though the most important section in all of the ethics is probably chapters 5, 6, 7, and 8 of Book 10. This is Aristotle's final definition of happiness, remember Book 1, and serves to distinguish between contemplation and contemplative and political happiness and their relation. So Aristotle says that there is such a thing as political or right-ordered polity in this world, but that is not the same, that is not the final purpose of man, but it is only 
the highest of the practical order, which enables then something more to go on from it. So now I will give some, quite a few actually, random considerations from the ethics, which is about the politics. So much there's much fruit to get in the uh, ethics about politics, which I want to point out. And so that the then the book, The Politics Themselves, then can be better understood. He says, quote, in 1174 B18, he says, for each faculty or power, the best activity is the activity of the subject in the best condition in relation to the best object of the faculty. So the best activity or the highest activity of the faculty. That's again how we define man. Man is a rational animal. His highest activity is knowing and knowing the truth about the highest thing. We have different potencies um, or capacities that are related to each other in some order. We know we can think, for instance, by the activity of thinking. That is, we do not first know what we that we have a power to think and then exercise it. What we do is think and then reflect back on the fact that this must be our our power. So what is the highest human potential or power in Aristotle? It is thinking about the highest thing, knowing the highest thing, and therefore seeing the order of our lives and our souls. In 1174b, 21 to 23, he says, For every faculty of perception, every sense, and every sort of thought and study has its pleasure. We've seen this. The pleasantest activity is the most complete. So when an activity is complete, it includes its pleasure. And the most complete is the activity of the subject the good, the subject is good and good condition in relation to the most excellent object of the faculty. Pleasure completes the activity. So pleasure, as I've said before in Book 7 and 10, is a uh, presence in every activity. Remember that Aristotle says that the politician should know about pleasures and pains because these are crucial uh, to how he rules if he needs to use them. He may need to use uh, punishment or he may need to use rewards to get uh, what he considers to be the good. 1174b33 says, quote, pleasure completes the activity, again, understand, not, however, as a state, a habit, looking, uh, a habit, so look up the word hexes in the glossary of, of Hackett, uh, it does, but by being present in the activity, but it is a sort of consequent end, like the bloom on the youth, so that pleasure is constitutive too, but follows upon every activity and is not separable from it except in the mind. 
I say we can distinguish the pleasure, say, of doing a just thing from what it is to do a just Next, Aristotle says in 1175a, 12 to 15, that living is a type of activity. So to be alive is a type of activity. And each of us is active towards the object he likes most. So we try to tend to those objects we like most and the ways he likes most. The musician, that is, activates his hearing in hearing melodies and the lover of learning activates his thought in thinking about the object of study. He probably means here both study and contemplation, and so on for each of the others. Pleasure completes their activities and hence completes life which they desire. So pleasure is always accompanies and therefore encourages to, to do the right thing even though it can also be a reason why we choose uh, uh, to separate them and, and only look at the pleasure without looking at the justice or the honor of the activity in which it exists. And then Aristotle continues, and he says in 1175b25 to 28, he says, for each activity has its own proper pleasure, Hence, the pleasure proper to an excellent activity is good, is decent, and the one proper to a base activity is vicious. And in fact, he says, the pleasure in an activity is more proper to it than the desire for it. So the pleasure itself is better than the simple desire for it. For the desire is distinguished uh, from it in time and in nature. But the pleasure is close to the activity. Basically, the pleasure is in the act, but the act is directed to an end and hence can be used, uh, ill-used or properly used. Briefly, the good pleasures or the goodness or badness of a pleasure, to repeat, is a function of the goodness or badness of the act in which uh, it is a pleasure. 1176b4-70 says we should count happiness as one of those activities that are choice-worthy in themselves, not as one of those uh, choice-worthy for some other reason. Happiness is going to be chosen for itself, so it is the end by which we do all other things. For happiness lacks nothing, but is self-sufficient, and an activity is choice-worthy in itself when nothing further beyond it is sought from it, the end of the quote. So that nothing further is beyond the thing we know that we then have reached our end. And he says in 1176b, 19 to 20, he says, for virtue and understanding the sources of excellent activity do not depend on, I, I repeated this in the earlier reading, do not depend on uh, supreme power. Further, these powerful people have had no taste of pure and civilized pleasures, and so they resort to bodily pleasures. Perhaps no passage in political philosophy is more insightful 
than this one. It is the charter of freedom for the common man, in a way. So it means that you don't have to be the ruler of a country or a king of a country or a politician of a country in order to live a good life. He said, and powerful people do live good lives sometimes, he said, but they are very uh, in a very precarious situation, particularly if they do not have their whole life in order. And therefore they pursue things uh, because they don't experience the higher pleasure. Aristotle distinguishes in 1176 B10 and following between amusement, work, leisure, sport, and recreation. We've seen this. Leisure is the highest of those states. We work in order to have leisure. We uh, recreate in order to go back to work. See the chapter on sports in my book, Another Sort of Learning. The happy life seems to be a life expressing virtue, which is a life involving serious action and not consisting in amusement. 1177A1. Again, this does not contradict Book 4 of the Ethics in which Aristotle tells us that we ought not to be buffoons or bores, that we should uh, have wit and amusement in, in a proper place so that Aristotle says that, uh, Arist that amusement and wit and uh, sports are good things. We have to know what they are. We have to have them in the right place. We have to have the virtues, in other words. In 1177a, 24 to 27, he says, the activity expressing wisdom, we call book six of the ethics of the intellectual virtues, is the pleasantest of the activities expressing virtue. We call at the end uh, of book one that happiness is initially defined as the activity of the virtues. At any rate, he says in 1177a, 24 to seven, philosophy seems to have remarkably pure and firm pleasure and it is reasonable for those who have knowledge to spend their lives more pleasantly than those who seek it. The end of seeking is finding. It says in 1177b5 to 15, he says, quote, happiness seems to be found in leisure since we accept trouble so that we can be of leisure at leisure and we fight wars that we can be at peace. Now, the virtues concerned with action have their activities in politics or war, and actions are seem to be uh, always requiring difficulties and trouble. But the action of the politicians require trouble, work and concern and so forth also. And beyond the political activities themselves, these actions seek a position of power and honors, or at least they seek happiness for the politician himself and for his fellow citizens, which is something from political science itself, and clearly it is sought 
on the assumption that it is different. So, if, so the consolation of being a politician is different from the consolation, he says, or the understanding of being a philosopher. Aristotle thinks to be a politician is a good life, but it is so burdened that it is usually unable to know such a much of the higher things. He says in 1177b33 to 78a3, he says, We ought not to follow, this is the great passage again, which I like to repeat again and again. It's a great passage about his advice to us. We ought not to follow the proverb writers and think human, since you are human. Oh, think human since you are human. As they think only about human things as if they were the only things that exist. Or think mortal. as think only mortal things because they exist since you are mortal. Rather, as far as we can, we ought to be pro-immortal and go to all links to live a life that expresses our supreme element, that is to say, reason. For however much this element may lack in bulk. By that much more, it surpasses everything in power and in value. Again, this passage is, will recur in this course frequently, these reflections, so pay attention to it. This is one of the great statements about uh, what human life is about. No doubt it will be a while before one figures out why, but that is what we are doing. And so that uh, pursuing mortal things, pursuing human things is all right, but that's not the only thing that we are. And the little things that we can pursue about the higher things are worth everything else, so that the whole civilization, in some sense, is not just ordered to political or economic things, but it's ordered to a transcendence. He says again in 1178, 4-6, he says, For self-sufficiency and action do not depend on excess, and we can do fine actions even if we do not rule the earth and the sea. For even from moderate resources, we can do the actions expressing virtue. Again, we call what we said in discussing liberality and munificence in chapter 4 about whether much or little wealth made the essential difference for Aristotle about our ability to practice virtue. He did not think the rich man on this score had any advantage over the normal man. Early modern liberal thought tended to hold that our wealth or our possessions made us virtuous and not vice versa. Whereas Aristotle here is saying that whether we participate in the highest things or not doesn't depend upon whether we rule the earth and the sea. Those who rule the earth and the sea, as he has just said, may miss the whole point about what it is to be a mortal being, to be a human being who is himself ordained to something which is transcendent in Aristotle's sense to which is known for its own sake. 
1179, A24 to 29, he says, For if the gods pay some attention to human beings, as they seem to, it would be reasonable for them to take pleasure in what is best and most akin to them, namely understanding, and reasonable for them to benefit in return those who, most of all, like and honors understanding, on the assumption that these people attend to what is beloved by the gods and act correctly and finally. So this passage is very pertinent to Augustine and Aquinas. Remember, Aristotle is a pagan speaking in the name of philosophy out of the riches of what the human intellect might naturally know. This is one of the classic places where reason and revelation touch almost in anticipation of each other, or anticipation of revelation, as it were. So that, therefore, he says that the, uh, the gods pay some attention to the human things, as I say, those things in which human beings are most like unto them. And the transition to the politics, as we said, so basically try to understand that we are first to acquire virtue, uh, and uh, we, acquire, uh, we acquire virtue and vice in the household. But that is naturally incomplete. Uh, the household is an incomplete institution, or it's a good and necessary institution. We will see more of this in Simon's book. The transition we make, transitions made because young citizens who in fact come out of households uh, do not have virtue. The consequence of this uh, lack of virtue are one of the problems of the polis, as we will also see in St. Augustine. The aim of studies about action I say the name of the purpose of our reading of uh, the ethics and the politics as a book is a, uh, uh, is a guide, is a guide for our action. We call the difference between acting or doing and making, between theoretical and practical intellect. It is surely not to study and to know about each thing, but rather to act on our knowledge. So hence, he says in 1179 of B35a, hence knowing about virtue is not enough, but we must also try to possess and exercise virtue or become good in any other way. So that not enough again, as we say, to know the definition of virtue, we need to be virtuous. So if someone knows the definition of justice, but is not in practice, uh, just keep your eyes on, on, on him because you're never quite sure what he will do. And then he says, and later on, 1179, B5 to 10, he says, now if arguments were sufficient uh, to by themselves to make people good, 
the rewards they would command would be uh, justifiably have been many and large, as Diogenes says, and rightly bestowed. In fact, Aristotle is a realist here and sees what goes on. Arguments seem to have enough uh, influence to stimulate and encourage the civilized ones among the young people. Recall what Aristotle said about uh, who can study political science and why. In book one, he said, remember, that uh, the young cannot study easily political science because they lack experience of what actually it means to be good or bad. And perhaps to make virtue like take possession of a well-born character that truly loves what is fine. But they seem unable uh, to stimulate the many towards being fine and good. And again, Aristotle is being empirical here. He says that you'll notice that there may be very many good arguments to be made for doing something which is right. But unless you have the habit to do it, prepare yourselves, practice. Oh, you will not do it. He said in 1181 to 5, he says, Presumably, however, it is not enough to get the correct upbringing and attention when they are young. Rather, they must continue the same practices and be, habitu and be habituated to them when they, come, uh, when they become men. Hence, we need laws and uh, concern with these things also, and in general, with all of life. For many yield to compulsion more than to argument, and the sanctions more than to what is fine. Uh, we will see in Aquinas that an adjunct of law is coercion. The relation of coercion and law is one of the minor lessons you should learn in this uh, consideration. So that Aristotle here says here basically that uh, whatever uh, habits we may have or uh, arguments we have, we still uh, very often do things that are right not from argument but because of sanctions or rewards that will come about. There's nothing particularly wrong with this, but it is uh, a distinction which comes up in Plato also about the difference between doing a thing for itself and doing a thing because you get punished or rewarded. In 11.780.1-5, he says, This is why legislators should urge people towards virtue and exhort them to aim at what is fine, on the assumption that anyone whose good habits have prepared him uh, decently uh, will listen to them, but should impose corrective treatment and penalties on anyone who disobeys or lacks the right <clears throat> uh, nature and completely expel in an incurable one. For the decent person, it is assumed 
will attend to reason because his life aims at what is fine. While the base person, since he desires pleasure, has to receive corrective treatment by him, uh, like the beast of burden, that is, that is why it is said that the pains imposed must be those uh, most contrary to the pleasure he likes. As we have said, Aristotle continues then, someone who is to be good <clears throat> must be finally brought up and habituated, and then must live in a decent practices, doing nothing base, either willingly or unwillingly. And they quote, Coercion, then, is related to failures of both virtue and education and family discipline. In 1180a, 19-23, he says, Instructions of fathers, however, lack the influence and compelling power. And so, in general, do the instructions of an individual man, unless he is a king or someone like that, Law, however, has the power that compels, and law is reason that proceeds from a sort of intelligence and understanding. A great passage. So Aristotle defines law, as we said, as reason without passion in the politics. Law and reason and coercion are related. Coercion takes the place of or guides someone when he is not being reasonable and affecting others. Then he says in uh, 1180b8, more he says, education adapted to the individual is usually better than a common education for everyone, just as individualized medical treatment is better a very important thing when you think about things like homeschooling or things that deal with tutors and those educational systems which do teach primarily through the individual. This is practical, practical science. It is not interested in theories about human nature, but in making actual men, uh, John and Susie, uh, are good. We do not want the doctor to give us a dissertation on the nature of the uh, liver, for example. We want him to heal us. Still, everyone will give the best individual attention if they know universally, Aristotle says, what is good for all. So just because you know the universal, I mean, not that, it, that too is a good is a good help. And he says in 1180b, 17 to 18, that actually someone without scientific knowledge may well attend properly to a single person. That is to say, someone may know how to deal with a sick person even though he's not a doctor. If his experience has allowed him to take exact note of what is happening in each case, just as some people seem to be their own best doctors, though unable to help anyone else at all. And this is why I say, as your grandmother can know as much as Aristotle about you in particular, 
your goodness or your badness. In 1181a 1-2 it says, quote, It is the sophists who advertise that they teach politics, but none of them practice it. Instead, those who practice it are the political activists, and they seem to act on some sort of capacity and expertise rather than thought, the end of the quote. This should make you wonder what you are doing, uh, uh, say, uh, in studying, or what the politician uh, is doing in, in politics. That is to say, they are uh, they are making prudential uh, decisions about particular things that need to be done or may need not to be done. And then he says in 1181, um, 11 to 12, he says, Our predecessors have left the area of legislation unchartered. It is presumably better to examine it ourselves instead, and indeed to examine political systems in general, and so complete the philosophy of human affairs as far as we are able. In the quote. The philosophy of human affairs is complete with politics. The four studies, ethics, rhetoric, poetics, and politics, constitute this general area. Metaphysics, the science of being as being, is, as Aristotle said in Book 10 of the Ethics, divine. That is why politics is the highest of the human sciences, but not the highest uh, science as such. As Aristotle says, if man were the highest animal, the highest being, politics would be the highest science. But man is not the highest being, and therefore politics is not the highest science. That is, it is limited to what it is because of what man is. But that being said, it does not, it is not a bad thing politics, but also the perfection of man insofar as he lives in this world. It makes politics make possible uh, within uh, its own sphere uh, the achievement of other higher ends of man. So this is the end of uh, the brief uh, discussion of the politics. It is a great book. And remember that the ethics and the economics and the politics are one book uh, about the rule of the individual over himself, uh, the rule of the family, and the rule of the polis uh, for the end of a common good, which means the possibility of bringing forth all of the good that is potential in each human being. We hope you enjoyed listening to Catholic Thinkers please visit us at catholicthinkers.org forward slash donate to help us keep this content free.